we can get my Basso Voce 7 a.m. There you go. Basso Voce. Basso Voce? Does that mean like your morning voice? That's what, no, that's what Ted has. It just means low voice. Low voice? Is there a phrase for like, you know, you know, when you wake up, most people's voice is like lower and down here. There must be like a cool term for that. And if I were a biologist or maybe a vocal coach, I would be able to tell you that. Basso voce. Basso voce. We should stop the podcast right now because I think we've all learned something at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number 196. Closing in on the bicentennial podcast here. Uh, my name is Mike Canello. Uh, with me is the morning Basso Voce, Ryan Price. How's it going Good on, Good morning. I was just going to say, we were just talking before we hit record. You are, uh, you're pretty close to the, uh, to the uh, um, eclipse coming up. Well, and yeah, if the world ends, then uh, I might have to get it, make sure I get it out before 9 a.m. on Monday morning because yeah, who knows? Right. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get this, this might podcast be the last, out. The last, not just the last Drupal Easy podcast, but the last podcast ever released. Well, here let's let's also do this. Um, what we just taught, what we just said was, you know, looking forward to the eclipse. But now let's pretend like it's past the eclipse for people who are listening to this after the eclipse. So, Ryan, how was the eclipse? I made a sweet pinhole camera and yeah. I stared at a piece of cardboard for ten minutes. It was awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, so today we're going to talk about the paragraphs module, and this has been a, um, a topic I've wanted to talk about for a few months. Um, I just decided to pull the trigger, and you know, Ryan and I are going to have a little discussion, talk about pros and cons and, and, and pitfalls and advantages of using paragraphs. Uh, before we do that, I do want to mention mydropwizard.com uh, for a low monthly fee starting at less than 100 bucks, $99 to be exact. You can work with MyDropWizard.com, and they will keep your Drupal 6, 7, and 8 sites up to date with core updates and module updates and make sure everything is running smoothly. Um, they are also uh, doing more, uh, playing more of a support role where they can actually help you perform you know, basic one-off maintenance tasks and just generally help keep your site up and running. Um, when you sign up, uh, they do a, a site audit for you. Um, they will actually also do complimentary hosting as well. Hmm. So think about that. You know, don't even think about it as a maintenance plan. Think about it as a hosting plan that comes with free maintenance. Well, that sounds that. like end-to-end support, right? I mean, like, yeah, we'll you know we'll host you. We'll uh, answer the red phone or email address, as it were. Is there a mm-hmm. red? Do email addresses have colors? Um, I think you can like label them. Right, mm, you put the little flag on them. Yeah. Generally, those flags are red. The, the although... email address with with two exclamation points before it. Well, three if it's emergency. So yes. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, they also offer a thirty day money back guarantee, so you can give it a shot with no risk. You can check it out at mydropwizard.com, and they just posted a couple of blog posts, a couple of interesting things. Um, uh, first, just this past uh, Wednesday, there was a security update for Drupal 8, as well as a security update for uh, Drupal 7 views and Drupal 7 entity reference module, which, you know, all three of those things are widely used. 
Um, I'm happy to report that MyDropWizard was ready to go and, and had their client sites updated um, you know, very quickly based on, on those updates. Um, and they, they put a blog post up about it, um, just letting everybody know that you know, we're aware of the security updates and they have been applied. So that's kind of a very comforting thing. I don't know what you did on Wednesday and, and Thursday, Ryan, but I know I was updating a lot of client sites. Um, the other blog post they put up, which is really interesting, they are offering a free migration to Drupal 8 for up to 10 nonprofits. Oh, cool. They've got some type of new distribution um, for nonprofits, and they want to kind of kick the tires on it. So they are looking for 10 nonprofits to work with um, where they will update the sites and bring them up onto their new platform and, and you know, give things a whirl. So blog post um, for both of the, both of those are at mydropwizard.com. So, Mr. Price, how are things doing out west? Yeah, excellent. Uh, it's very funny because a lot of my time is spent talking to people who live on the East Coast, um, working on a big project with the state, the well, it's technically the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth of, of Massachusetts, um, which I will be transitioning off of soon but uh yeah doing some drupal 8 doing some drupal 7 doing some migrations doing yeah. lots of paragraphs entities all that fun stuff what's your favorite thing so we're now like what a year and a half no more than a year and nine months since drupal 8 launched for me using drupal 8 mostly yeah. a year uh so, right, so far what's your you know with, with a year of experience with drupal 8 um what's your favorite thing about drupal 8 do you have a favorite thing? I think it's still got to be the whole like configuration management workflow. Just like yeah. I want to put this feature over there on that website. I typey typey a command and then it's there. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's very pretty nice. great. Yeah. And I don't have to think like, do I have to write an update hook or whatever? <laughs> uh, although talking about migration, this is something that's still kind of new to me is like, if you have certain things that use config entities, like views would be an example, or a migration would be an example, and you want to use an update hook, and there are times that you do need to use an update hook, there's still some black magic there, <laughs> I have discovered. Oh, really? I have not been. In, I have not had to uh, uh, venture into that territory. Like yet. in in this particular situation, it was like we installed the migration. Okay, we need to make a change to said migration easiest option is to uninstall the module and re-enable it and then the the migration the migrations yeah being the configs that you load in the install folder will get right. reloaded but if you want to do that without turning off the module there's like work that you have to do well there's a couple ways to do that and i don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole um but in the past the way i've done it is use drush config edit. And then yes. with drush config edit, you can directly edit those migration configurations. And when you exit out of, you know, drush config edit, it'll save it back to active configuration. You're good to go. No need to uninstall and reinstall. Um, what I've learned recently, and I haven't had a chance to circle back and see exactly when it was added to the migrate plus module. But with migrate plus, you can now define migrations not inside the 
config slash install directory, but rather a migrations directory. Hmm. And all that requires is a cache rebuild. Well, and I wouldn't use uh, migrate without using migrate plus. Right. So there's, if you create there's a, no reason not to. No. So if you create a custom migration module, and in the past, and the way I've always taught it is, you know, create your migration configurations and you put them in that module's config slash install directory. But if you want to make a change, you either have to uninstall and reinstall, or you have to do the, the drush config edit stuff. And literally within the past two weeks, I've learned about this migrations directory and tried it and it works. That's, that's awesome. Um, and yes. I do realize out there, people on the internet, there are probably three or four other ways to do it, right? There's like yep. config devel and there's whatever. We know. We did a right. podcast where we picked all of the config modules recently. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, so like, yeah, in practical use and then in a use where I have to then, you know, either get it fully automated by like a build script or write out instructions for someone else to do it. Like config edits just, I guess I could say like config edit, delete the entire file and then paste this file in instead. Oh, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay. it's just like add these three lines here and add this line in between this line and that line. And like, it was, it was fiddly. Okay. I gotcha. Well, if you have, try out the, the migration, you know, check out the, that new, I'm going to you know putting it in air quotes because I'm not sure when it was added. Um, but that new feature, Migrate Plus, is, is, in my opinion, kind of like a game changer. Well, that, that does sound awesome, yes. Yeah. All right, forget about migration, though. So let's talk about this Paragraphs module that everybody seems to be using these days. So before we even start getting into the nitty-gritty of Paragraphs, where do you stand? How do you feel about the Paragraphs module? Or do you feel do you feel warm and fuzzy about it, leery about it? Like, kind of, what's your emotional reaction to the paragraphs module right now? I feel that to everything there is a season. And... Turn, turn, turn! I didn't know if you were waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, your mom have that record too? Because my mom had that record. Oh sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that there is there is a time and place to use it. Mm -hmm. And there are times and places when you absolutely should not use it. And I think a lot of it has to do with who your author is at the end of the day for me. That's my, that's my bottom line on paragraphs. I think I, I see where you're going. I see why you're saying that. I would argue that for me, the bottom line, and this is kind of just the way I've evolved over the past few years with building Drupal sites and thinking about Drupal sites. For me, the bottom line is information architecture. Because, and here's, and I'm, I'm definitely not anti-paragraphs. I, I, like you just said, it, there's a time and a place for it. Um, but for me, the decision on when and where to use it comes down to, is this going to um, hurt the information architecture to use it here. Um, you know, an example of this is, you know, I have seen sites um, that I have, you know, come on and, and, and to help out as like, you know, either do some training or, or, or clean up or something where 
the entire site is a single content type called page. And every single page is built with paragraphs. In which case, there's not a whole lot of information architecture going on there. You don't really have a whole lot that you can do if you want to create a view, right? right. You can create a view of all pages, but if you're, if you don't have, you know, structured data or, you know, um, you know, vocabularies, um, and, and you're just kind of laying out every page almost as custom, you really don't have information architecture. And I feel like you're, you're, you're giving up a lot, a lot of what Drupal can offer just to gain flexibility and output. So, yeah, I can see where, where that comes from. I mean, and the other one is, yeah, when the information architecture can only be done with, in this case, paragraphs, right? Because there, there used to be other options, and I think now paragraphs, to me, is the only option for something like, um, you know, I want to, uh, you know, yeah, it's, a know similar, yeah, it's a similar it's example to, like, it, right, field collection is one. Yeah. As, you know, it, when you did um, Drupal Commerce, for example, right, you wanted to have this, like, um, I wanted to have a product, and then I wanted to have, or I wanted to have the product display, and then I wanted to have all the products on it, right? I want to have an entity embedded inside another entity. And I still think for that, if you have a very, very, very specific use case, you should probably just use two entities, right? And do not muck around with paragraphs because the interface tools that it uses are really similar to what paragraphs ends up using, right? Mm -hmm. Entity mm -hmm. reference revisions and inline entity forms and that kind of thing. Um, where it gets weird is when somebody says, well... I might want to have a, you know, a such and such type of a thing attached here, or I might want to have another such and such a thing attached here. And then it just starts like, it starts getting down to this like tweezer level. And you're like, well, we could do it this way or we could, it's like, there's, it's, it's possible to see where you're like, you know what? I'm going to give you paragraphs because it's going to be more flexible going forward. <laughs> Because I can sense that you might want to make another change to this some other day. And rather than re-architect your content type in all of your views, you're going to get a paragraph here. Yeah, but it sounds like you're describing the use case where you're using paragraphs to for information architecture. As opposed, for, as opposed to for layout. Yeah, I mean, for layout, I think, I think that was where I bring in my author comment, right? Right. When right. when I am, let's say that I'm a person with a lot of magazine experience, right? And I really want the ability to be like, no, I need to put a full width image here, and then I need to put two columns, and then I need to put some text on this side and some text on that side. The mm -hmm. problem with a lot of that is a lot of that content has a semantic meaning, right? Mm -hmm. And unless you're doing some serious, like, um, uh, what's it called? the thing where you do the metadata that's embedded in your site. It's early for me. Um, thing where you do search, search engines like to read it. It's like machine readable. RDF. It's RDF. Um, schema.org. That's the word okay. I'm thinking of. Okay. Unless you're doing okay. some serious schema.org kung fu, all the semantic meaning of all that stuff is going to be lost, right? 
Um, and you, I think you can really do it, right? Drupal 8 gives you a lot of options for like saying like, hey, when I see this, this paragraph, you know, I want the out, outer paragraph to be a contact entity, right? And right. I want this mm-hmm. field to be the contact name and I want this field to be the contact email and I want this field to be the contact address and this to be the organization name or whatever it is, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many people are doing that. I mean, it's smart too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I can really refer often to the mass.gov project um, because it's open source. So I can show you, like, we've got paragraphs and we're using um, Pattern Lab on the front. So we don't use the RDF module. We use a version of the schema.org implementation that lets you embed essentially like a little JavaScript object in, in this case, I think it's in the footer of the site. Maybe it's in the header. Um, I, I am not, I'm not working on it every single day, but I'm in there sometimes. But anyway, yeah, they use like a, like a data structure for each page that you're on. And it says, I have these objects. They're here. They're, they look like this. Um, it's pretty interesting because there's, there's multiple ways. There's multiple ways to schema.org. Right. So we kind of veered from the from the IA side of things into the layout side of things, but I want to go back to the IA side of things, just real quick, because you brought up something that I I tend to use paragraphs for quite often is as a field collection replacement, right? So if, if we have some type of entity, um, let's say we've got some type of uh, let's call it like a, a resource entity. And that resource needs to have um, a list of contacts, contact names, contact people. But each contact person has a name and an email address and a phone number and, you know, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, in the Drupal 7 days, you just make a field collection for the contact and add the necessary fields to that. And then add that field collection as a multi-valued field to your content type or to your entity. There is no field collection that, that's really super usable in Drupal 8, so paragraphs is kind of the, the name of the game there. Um, and that's fine, because that, to me, is, you know, that's using paragraphs to um, enhance the information architecture. Well, but I would say if you're reaching for that and, and you've only really got, you know, one content type that you're going to be able to stick in there, then an entity reference is going to serve you very well, Right. Well, it you could do entity another, reference it could with, be another with like, content type. Yeah. It could be something that you form. build with entity construction kit, you know, like there right. are there are choices for other kinds of entities. And um you know, you may not need to reuse them, but let me tell you, you this is where I'm going to come across, I would say maybe the weak knee of paragraphs is when you make a paragraph that paragraph is intrinsically part of that node and no other place on the site can it be used. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure that's true because paragraphs are entities. So you could query them with a view and you can filter by paragraph type, right? And you can get the data from a paragraph out through a view. I think there's some display issues there still, but nothing that isn't insurmountable yeah but i I guess my point is like if you want your data to be standalone then make an entity out of it like make a a normal entity out of it don't don't use paragraphs but that's not but you know 
and, and I'm just I'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit here, um, because I think to make the the authoring experience um, equivalent to what a field collection or what a paragraph provides, um, you're creating a new content type, you're using entity reference, and you're probably using inline entity form as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how super obvious that is yet to a lot of developers. And I only say that because from what I remember when we were all like knee deep in Drupal 7, you know, pre-Drupal 8, inline entity form was not one of those contributed modules that I would think to use or I would say a whole lot of like, you know, kind of middle of the road site builders would think to use. For me, inline entity form was always something that was you know, I know that commerce used it. It was always something you used in combination with something else, or you kind of, you know, it came as part of a feature or something like that. I think there's, and I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not, and maybe this is just me, you know, this is just my bias. It's it, until very recently, until maybe the past six months, it wasn't something that I would just, you know, quickly grab off the shelf and use and know that it works. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, there are still times when inline entity form, doesn't matter whether you're using it with paragraphs or not, still kind of does something and you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Like, um, you know, I had a thing with a form alter, let's say. And then all of a sudden we went to go use it, you know, inside an inline entity form and we're like, hmm we need to do a little bit more work to make sure that, you know, that both of these inline entity form and the regular form, right. both, both are, you know, inheriting this, this new functionality that I intended for it. So there are some like weirdnesses. So it sounds like that kind of thing too. It sounds like based on what you said a second ago, um, about, you know, if, if you think you might want to reuse it, you know, just make it a content type or, you know, a vocabulary or some kind of standard, you know, quote-unquote entity. Um, well, the quote-unquote is around standard, not around entity there. Um, but it, it sounds like that your opinion would be that um, that would also hold for field collection. If there was a field collection for Drupal 8, that you wouldn't be super psyched about using field collection in, in that scenario either. I think at this point, if there's a field collection for Drupal 8, it's it's redundant. Um, I don't actually know what, at this point, field collection would get you that paragraphs doesn't get you. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the, well, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. To like, me, though, I, I think paragraphs is the better field collection. It's, I don't know that, I don't know that there's really any difference except for that field collection was maybe a little bit, it, it was a little less opinionated than paragraphs, right? I think I think that's probably what you know what made paragraphs sort of like easy to grok, right? I think that's what we're getting at at the very beginning here is like mm-hmm. the the reason why paragraphs is as popular as it is is because you install it and you go, "Oh, this is a thing. I can make a new entity type, I can put some fields on it, I can attach it to this node. I'm good to go." And then people have done some really weird stuff with it. <laughs> Right. See, I don't think that's what makes paragraphs so popular. I think the fact that 
and this kind of leads into the second part of the conversation that I wanted to go to anyway, so it's turning out to be a a decent segue. Um, I think it's because of the layout capabilities and the fact that it's so easy to create a template file for a paragraph type and kind of mix and match these paragraph types to achieve the layout. Because no one using field collection, well, I don't say no one, I would guess very few people use field collection for its layout capabilities. People use field collection to do IA stuff. I think the vast majority of people um, who uh, first use paragraphs or get turned on to paragraphs because of the layout side of it. Right. Yeah. The fact that I can have, you know, a video and some text and a picture and a slideshow and whatever, and a podcast, and I can reorder them all on the page, right? Let's just talk about the simplest example first. Mm. You know, I've got my, my column of stuff and then I want to reorder the column of stuff, or I want to be able to say like, you know, this, this image, um, right. And it's, it's probably more flexible to say, to just reorder the stuff that, well, I, I, I'll get, I'll get to my ace in the hole later, I guess. You have an ace in the hole? Wow. Uh, when it comes to layout, yes. <laughs> well, your ace in the hole, I don't know if it's my ace in the hole. My ace in the hole, I think, is in the notes. And so here's the reason. You know, so there's there's several reasons why I'm not I'm not as big a fan of paragraphs as, as a lot of other people. Just because I, I, I think I'm, I skew much more towards the IA side and like a fear of losing good information architecture on a site when paragraphs is overused. Um, but there's definitely use cases where it, it can and should be used properly. Um, and for me, anything that we can do to eradicate WYSIWYG from an admin area, um, and I'm talking, you know, I don't care about bold and italic and, and creating links and stuff like that. Um, let's say full HTML WYSIWYG, anything that can eradicate that from an admin area, I think is a good thing. And I think a lot of times that's exactly, you know, why I think to use paragraphs or where I would recommend paragraphs is, you know, use this and you could drastically reduce the number of formatting options that you give your authors, yet you can still give them everything they need to do their job and make them happy to, and have the, the layout appear the way they want. But more importantly, have that layout work on all devices and not just the device they're entering the content in on. For me, that's the, that's the reason to use paragraphs. And yeah, I'm I've coming, stunned coming, you. I've stunned you with my opinion. <laughs> coming coming off of a project where it was used, you know, to the. So, actually, I mean, I think I think this does warrant mentioning. Um, you know, I've actually seen it used now, as a prototyping tool, right? Somebody says, mm-hmm. "Hey, we want to build a site, and we want to get." the information architecture and the layout just so. So what we're going to do first is 
real quick slap together a site that lets us sort of be really, really flexible with the layout and really, really flexible with the structured data, right? Mm -hmm. This is not the final site that we're going to build, but to the end users, it will look correct. And because we're using Pattern Lab, the markup of, of the prototype site and the markup of the you know, finished site will end up looking really pretty similar, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they put together two, two node types, and each one of them could basically have all the paragraphs. And some of the paragraphs were layout-only paragraphs, and some of the paragraphs were content paragraphs. Um, but literally two paragraphs or two, two nodes. And I think it was like 25 paragraph types. It was some ungodly number. <laughs> and they were like, okay, let's try these three Lego pieces together. Yeah. Okay. That looks like what we want. And it has the information we want, where we want. And the authoring experience was, you know, it was like reading, um, a nuclear, submarine <laughs> manual right like in order to get this page layout you must first type this then that then click this button then click that button then like yeah really but, really confusing yeah the one place we can't go otherwise we'll be here for three hours is talking about like paragraphs inception oh yeah no paragraphs within paragraphs like oh anyway yeah, that's what you're um, i think that's what you're probably talking about right yeah okay. but at the same time you know if you believe that this uh, this system of, you know, doing a prototype site, um, you know, was worth the time, right? As a proof of concept, it was kind of it was kind of cool, right? It was like, hey, we were able to put together what ended up being, I think it's like ten content types, with, you know, it was two content types, but really it could have been one one content type. Mm -hmm. I think it was two just for the ease of. Uh, being able to put a different template on content type A and content type B, right? With this, you know, essentially one content type and 25 paragraph types, we were able to prototype a whole bunch of stuff. And, in, you know, some people might say, well, you already had a pattern lab. Like, you could have just used pattern lab and then switched out the content, right? Like, we could talk about pattern lab for a while because there are some interesting overlaps between, you know, paragraphs or entity references and Pattern Lab in that, you know, with Pattern Lab, you're, you're building molecules. And mm -hmm. with Drupal, you're building entities. And you want them to nest inside of each other. And you want to design one at a time. And you want to get, you know, that sort of, like, experience of, of the user experience of using one just right. And then you want to say, okay, well, if it's embedded in this content type, then maybe you want to augment it slightly or whatever it happens to be. Like, there's so many cool things you can do now by having your you know your content strategy your information architecture start you know at the same time as your design right you're not waiting until the the graphic design is fully baked to then break it down into content types you're saying the the information architecture is part of the design and we're going to design all of that stuff from the beginning and we're going to design it in a Drupal agnostic way. You know what I mean? Like it, I don't care if someone gives me a decently designed pattern lab, I can turn that into a Drupal site without really thinking too hard. You know, it basically is the information architecture already. 
yeah, I'm not super familiar with with you know I, I haven't used Pattern Lab, so some of some of what you're saying is lost on me. But it sounds like um, I I don't want to downplay you know what you're saying, but it sounds like what you're saying you can replace Pattern Lab with any decent prototyping tool and get to the same place. Yeah, yeah, or, and that, I guess that's okay. my point, right? Is that right. um. Pattern Lab specifically, it's a tool, right? It's a popular tool, but yeah. it it employs this idea of atomic design, right? Where you know I want to design the way that the login, line. the okay. login form works, yeah, or or right. just a, a chunk of a page, right? Yeah, just right. just an article header, but I might right. have three different variants of that article header, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I want to do the byline area, or I want to do the the widget that shows me the playlist of music, right? Mm-hmm. But then when I design that playlist of music, embedded inside that playlist of music is a button set, right? Because it's got to have a play button and a pause button at the very mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. And then embedded in there is, you know, the listing of one individual track. And then right. maybe there's some other little thing, right? The thing that shows you the album art, whatever that is. So designing the whole thing also involve designing each of the individual pieces. And so and by the, and, doing and each of those individual pieces can be mixed and matched into different things. They don't right. have to be just that playlist. It can you can take the album art and put that in some other piece. Yeah, and if yeah, if later right. I want to build what, you know, just a mini player that shows you which one track you're playing right now, I can right. take that button set and I can take the album art and I can take a single track instead of a list of tracks. And I can rearrange them and say, okay, put them in this configuration now. And I've built two molecules made up of the same atoms, mm-hmm. but they're they're totally different purposes, right? Right. Um, and so by doing that, if you think about, a lo- oftentimes when we're talking about Drupal, an atom equates to a field, right? Right. And a okay. molecule equates to a content type or a block at the very at the very least, right? Okay. Um, sometimes when we're talking about a molecule, that could also be a view. You know so I mean? then, right. So then, what you're saying is that by working in Pattern Lab, creating these molecules, these atoms and these molecules, those atoms and molecules can can usually be a one-to-one correspondence with fields and entities. Yep. Okay, I got it. And it's it's pretty neat too because right, the Pattern Lab. I think there are different choices, but you know, if you're in a Drupal context, it makes total sense. Pattern Mm -hmm. Lab uses Twig as the templating engine, and it uses a JavaScript, um, you know, uh, it's a static site generator to put together the the style guide for your site. So you you write all these templates, and then you write like a sample content file. So you can combine that sample content with the template files, and you have an instant, essentially, demo site of right. your HTML running in the browser, you know, mm-hmm. running on every device um, so that, you know, you could do accessibility testing on it. You can do, you know, like live user testing on it. You can do all the things you might want to do and you haven't picked up, you know, PHP editor yet. All right. So let me, let me, let me I got to pull us out of this, this pattern lab hole that we're in. <laughs> so how does this relate to paragraphs module? <laughs> Um, no, good, just right. Good point. No, no, I think it's, I think it's important. Um, yeah, those, those atoms, right. 
we talked about reusing atoms. We talked about reusing, well, we didn't really talk about reusing molecules, but let's say you do want to reuse one of those molecules, right? I want to have that, um, that re reference to a music entity on this page and on that page that might be a good candidate for making a separate entity type or sometimes making a paragraph type, right? Right. Actually, I could see a decent case for, you know, a paragraph we're talking about like one of these music sites and just be like, I want to refer to these three music tracks in the sidebar of my article. But I could also argue like, why not just make a field? I was going to say that to me, that sounds like what you were talking about earlier, where why not just make that an entity reference? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's wrap up this paragraph discussion. Um, so let me ask a couple, a couple of kind of general questions. Okay. I have one more thing for my ace in the hole. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> we're going to get to it. Okay. Yeah. Go. These people talking about layouts uh -huh. and paragraphs, uh -huh. they clearly haven't seen CSS grids yet. Do you know what I mean with CSS grids? Like CSS grid systems, like the things that we've all been using for years? And... No. So it's a new CSS feature, right? Oh, I think oh, we're oh, still oh. technically on CSS3. I don't right, know okay. if there's a, like a new number coming or whatever, but CSS grid should get its own number. Right. Okay. Yes. No, I, I know what you're talking about now. Um, apparently it works in IE10 and up. It works in every other browser as long as you have the automatic updates turned on. I think it is also in the latest long-term support version of Firefox. I'm not they don't call it long-term support, but whatever they call it. It's long-term support. Um, yeah, and so it lets you do really fun, crazy things with layout that a Drupal person used to want to do with paragraphs. Mm. And you can reorder things on the page, and you can reorder things on the page between different, you know, breakpoints of your CSS. The, yeah, I, I am, I've not ever used it, so I cannot talk about it for more than about a minute without running out of stuff to talk about. But So how is that? The, what's that? I don't understand why this is your um, Basically, hole. if you say, I want to use paragraphs for layout, I will say you should just use CSS grids and go home. Because so... it does everything that you would want to do with layout, except for it puts it back in the, in the CSS realm where I personally believe it belongs. So how would you envision that? Would you envision that as, let's say someone has, you know, take a very simple case. Someone has a, 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 a page um, node and they've got three paragraphs. The first paragraph is basically a full width image. The second paragraph is, um, you know, 50-50 text on the left, image on the right. And the third paragraph is the opposite, image on the left, text on right. the right. I, I basically, I think do you there's a lot three, of ways you could do this. Like three but... image fields and two text fields, and then you, you set some, you know, some drop downs for some grid settings? Like how, how do you? Right. I think, I think if it were me, I would come up with like a set of templates, right? Like, okay, we've got three different ways you could lay out an article, Right. One is this, one is this, and one is really weird and off the wall, right? This sounds a lot like paragraphs, but go ahead. And then you basically just put a drop-down box at the top and you say, layout A, layout B, crazy layout. And but, but, then but, CSS but people, does on. everything else for you. All right, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> just 
This one I thought we were going to wrap things up. Okay. Um, but doesn't each layout depend on the fields that you provide? Because there's well, going to be... all the fields. All the fields would already be in place, right? Whatever well, no, fields no. you need for all three of those layouts, just make oh. them available or make them into entity references. Okay, I don't see where this is getting us anywhere, to be honest. Because this, this sounds like rather than having different templates for paragraph types, you're saying that the, could it be one template just with different CSS? Yep. That's exactly what I'm saying. But the wouldn't CSS, you need to... The CSS should be doing your layout for you, not right, the user. But you would need to specify the CSS per field, let's say. So, yeah, what I'm saying is by just changing one class at the top of your content type, right, by wrapping the, let's whatever, the body uh -huh. class or the content area uh -huh. with a different CSS class, you change the layout entirely. But doesn't the CSS need some knowledge of the fields that it has to lay out? It, it does, but I'm not sure I'm this is an ace is, in the hole. So, this might so, be like okay. a jack of spades so here, in the here's, hole. Here's a, really cool, here's a really cool thing about Maybe. the way that CSS Grid works. Okay. You can actually name regions of the page. Uh -huh. So I can say this, this abstract area of the page is called the header. But then in, in layout B, that abstract area of the page could be called the slideshow and in layout C that abstract area of the page may be way down at the footer like so, if you, so, okay, if you right, do so. some things the same and you change the layout you can move stuff around on your page really really easily you so could what, theoretically yes have a drop down on each little molecule of your site and say uh -huh. I want this to live in here and this live in here but I, okay. I feel like giving that level of control is not for everybody. All right, let me see if I understand this then. Because I think I understand now. So rather than, like, so right now with paragraphs, you want to have three different layouts. You're generally, generally going to have three different template files. Correct? Right. Yep. And each of those template files is going to have their own CSS associated, associated with them. Yep. What you envision with CSS grids is you have one template file and the option to apply different on um, what was the noun you used it was it styles or i think it's called a layout okay so you know, the option to choose one of you know many layouts yeah each of those layouts is predefined by the css that you know that exists or that mm -hmm. that so in effect, you're basically, instead of having a template file and some CSS per layout, you're just having some CSS per layout. Right. And the, and the CSS has to have some knowledge baked in. And what's going about, to be going into it, yep. Yeah, about the information architecture. I mean, like, there, right. there are lots of options you could have that are on a scale in between yeah. pure paragraphs and pure CSS grids, I'm sure. Right, mm -hmm. and that could be a whole other podcast with probably people that do a lot more front end programming than me. But then, how do you? So I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm fascinated by this ace in the hole now. But from an authoring experience, right? Because one of the draws of paragraphs right now is authors can, you know, 
I don't want to say that it's visual, but they can see that, okay, well, my first paragraph looks like this and has these fields. My second paragraph, you know, has these fields. My third paragraph has those fields. If you remove that, um, that interface and you just have a list of fields for the, the author to populate, doesn't that make the authoring experience less? Or how do you envision the authoring experience to be, you know, at least on par with what Paragraph currently offers? I mean, I think some of that is going to depend on what your specific site, your specific use case is. But right. a lot of times anymore when I'm doing, you know, an admin form, I'm, I'm probably breaking up a long form with things like tabs and collapsible field sets and that kind of stuff. And probably inline entity forms too, right? Like if this this thing is totally optional, that's probably an entity reference. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but I, I, think there, I think there's still something missing here though, Ryan, because take an example of like, you know, a homepage, you know, kind of one of those, these homepages that scrolls on for a while and has different kind of big bold sections you don't know. You don't know when you're doing your, the design part of it if the author is going to want three full-width images and two videos, or you know one, you know full-width image, three bits of text, no videos. I mean, you don't know in advance, so you know you can you can offer them multi-valued, you know, you know heading fields, multi-valued text fields, multi-valued. Well, um, image fields, but and, then how does that... the, from an authoring experience, how do I say, I want this second image that I add in this multi-valued image field to appear after the third paragraph? Like, these I are all the things that, that I paragraphs... would say okay. is in that gray area between pure CSS grid and pure paragraph. Yeah, but I think that's where a lot of where... people are using paragraphs right now is in that gray area. Yeah. I mean, because like... You know, go to a graphic designer and tell them that you want to change the contents of the page from one day to another. And I would say many graphic designers would start looking at you with slanted eyes, right? Yeah, but um, it's still what people are asking for. And then say, I can give you a choice. And your choice is you get to design all three layouts exactly like you want. You know, I could see them getting warming up to you a little bit more right? <laughs> like i have i still have you know i still have the ban hammer right i can say mm -hmm. like there's no way in my world that you can put two slideshows next to each other i'm just making something up right mm -hmm. let's say that there's a somebody that wants to do that and i'm like why would you do that you know what I mean? <laughs> it sounds pretty weird um and i think i think there probably should be some rules right one of the interesting things about a paragraph is like, I guess we could do it, but probably nobody has. Say like, you can't put two videos next to each other. You know, you have to break them up with a block of text in between or something like that. So in enforcing some of those sort of like style guide kind of decisions, I realize this is probably why you have a person or an editor or something. But, <laughs> you know, the other option would be you design it in a way that they can't break the rules. And by saying that you can't break the rules, you say these are the fields that you can fill in. 
and they will they will yeah. populate themselves appropriately. But now we're just getting back to like pre paragraphs. I don't know well, that that's a bad place to live. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not, think... I'm not a paragraphs apologist, Mike. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, 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 I think we need to stop. I think we need to stop talking about paragraphs. <laughs> you play the devil's advocate. I play the paragraphs apologist. Whatever. Uh, yes. All right. Let's. Uh... <laughs> All right. Um, I, I like your ace in the hole, although, I, I, like I said, I think it's more of like a jack and jack of spades in the hole. Not not quite the, 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 the game ender, but hey, definitely something hearts, to think about. In hearts, I'll take the jack of spades. All right. right? Very good. Hey, there's a couple quick things I know um, we wanted to sneak in here. You want to cover those two things? Oh, yes. So um, some people know that South by Southwest, they use... Uh, crowdsourcing to sort of figure out what's going to be popular this year. Um, the conference itself doesn't happen until I think March in Austin, Texas. Um, but it is probably the biggest tech nerd conference that I know of. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Um, I, I think it's something like a hundred thousand people descend on Austin. I don't even know because they also have a film festival and they also have a music festival and a bunch of, you know, like, big brands go there to like try and launch products or do sorts of weird fun experiences or whatever right south by southwest is a whole other thing that being said um some good people that we know in the drupal world are trying to get their panels selected for south by southwest one of them features drees and also a guy who is trying to reinvent the internet by turning uh sort of like transactions on the internet into something that you could track with a blockchain so essentially every time you push a new content change to your website it would come with a hash and that hash would get added to you know your wallet as it were in bitcoin terms um pretty interesting stuff at least that was the trailer video they showed was just the ted talk by this guy who is trying to reinvent the internet but Dries is there too, so I imagine that Dries will be talking about something. And then a uh, small plug also, my boss, George Demet, is um, trying to get a talk about Drupal community, um, basically his role in the community working group, which is something we've talked about quite a bit here. So South by Southwest panel picker, go check it out. There's a lot of other cool stuff too. If you're thinking about going to South by Southwest, I think you owe it to yourself to go and vote on these sessions. One more quick, quick, quick plug, which is uh, one of our co-hosts, Anna Colada, wrote a pretty interesting article uh, a while ago about changing the node ad screen of Drupal 8. And it turns out that I needed to use this in a project recently. So uh, one of my developers that works with me sent me this link and I was like, oh, holy crap, it's Anna. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Anna for writing this awesome article about basically you have to use um, the route subscriber function of Drupal 8 that lets you say, when someone tries to use this page, I want to override the way that page works. Um, I think you used to just be able to use it with hook menu. You could just be like, I want to override the callback from this 
on this mm-hmm. menu. Right. Um, but now you kind of have to do a little tiny bit more object oriented kind of a thing, but still totally fun. Um, so check out Anna's article, uh, which is, in her case, she was trying to list the node add page in a different kind of alphabetical order. Uh, yep. Thanks, Anna. All right. And then real quick, um, the next session of Drupal Career Online begins in early October. Uh, we've got a couple of Taste of Drupal's coming up if you're interested and just want to learn more. Um, Taste of Drupal is an hour online um, go-to meeting. I basically give a presentation, answer any and all questions, talk about what the course includes, what you can expect to get out of it, what uh, level of effort um, that's probably required to do uh, to complete the course and things like that. So you can go to drupaleasy.com slash DCO for Drupal Career Online to learn more about that. And, um, yeah, I think we'll wrap things up. Uh, I, I want to mention DrupalCon Vienna coming up um, in end of September. The schedule is now online. Schedule's online. And one of my favorite parts of DrupalCon is the community keynote, um, which is one of the three uh, main keynotes. Um, just announced that Joe Schindler from DrupalEyes.me is giving the community keynote this year. The topic is, or the title, I should say, of his keynote is Everyone Has Something to Share. So um, I, I, I'm not going to Vienna. Are you going to Vienna? Ryan? No, I wish. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Oh, well, I think a lot of people do. <laughs> um, but I'll definitely I mean, we can it. all sit around, drink coffee, smoke cigarettes, and eat sacra torta sometimes. But yeah, I was going to say, what's so the... much on the smoking cigarettes? But it's a, it's a Viennese cafe is very smoky. Or they used well, to be. Listen to classical music, right? As well. Yep. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's. Um, maybe we can all chip in and send someone, but then require that they, you know. Take pictures of themselves eating soccer torta. Like, yeah. At least three like times some, a day. some type of, you know, webcam virtual thing where we just like live through <laughs> their eyes. I think I saw that in Black Mirror once. Dance so. puppet, go hug Morton for me. <laughs> Um, but you can also like kind of do like a, I'm watching Sense8 right now. Have you seen mm-hmm. Sense8? No. Was that no? I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Yeah, you 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 lost me. No. Oh no. Okay. No. Yeah. Sense8. You can. Anyway. Yeah. If anybody watches Sense8, knows what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, Twitter, your liberator with uh, no O at the end. I'm Ultimike. Um, I think I think we're done. We're almost at an hour. So we say wrap this up. Wrap it up. All right. Do we have any more plugs? Uh, Check us out on uh, our subreddit, Drupal Easy yes. Podcast, for all the shows, or all the things that we didn't talk about today yep. that are still going on in the Drupal world, and uh, get in the discussion there. Um, you know, Facebook, the DrupalEasy.com website has a lot of cool articles and um, other things that probably a lot, a lot of stuff about the old days, Drupal Seven. The old days. <laughs> hey, I also don't think we existed um, during the Drupal five era. Did we? No, well, I don't. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. I started. I think we both started like four point seven. My memory is starting to right? fail me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I just I'm looking at the rundown here. Webenable.com, DevPanel.com. Don't forget about them. Check them out. Um, you know, team uh, development, uh, hosting. Um, so check them out. Also. I do, I'd like to mention, because um, a friend of ours, 
is, uh, and I've mentioned him on the podcast before, who's hiking the Appalachian, the complete Appalachian Trail this summer. Yes. Hi, Jim. Yes. From south to north. Um, he is less than 500 miles from uh, Mount Katahdin in Maine. Um, his most recent, um, I don't know if it's most recent, the one I saw, um, I think it was yesterday, his most recent update, he passed the marker that said 500 miles to Mount Katahdin. He's up in Vermont right now. So if there's any Drupalists in Vermont, um, you know, go outside, stand by the Appalachian Trail and, you know, give Jim a cup of coffee or, a, you know, a Red Bull if or you, something. Yeah, if you see a sprightly man with a big white beard walk by, yeah. he is your brother in Drupal. Yes. And Jim, I know Jim listens to the podcast because he has, you know, what else does he have to do? He's just walking all day, right? <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to take out the word just out of that sentence. Because <laughs> <laughs> up in Vermont and New Hampshire and especially Maine, I don't think there's any just walking on the Appalachian Trail. I think Jim's either going uphill or going downhill. I think there's a 50-50 shot of either one of those two in, in those three states to finish up. Um, so, yeah. So, Jim. Keep, keep on keeping on, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're rooting for you, and we'll, we'll celebrate with you when you, uh, when you top out there up in Maine. Um, uh, hopefully less than a month, I'm going to guess, right? 500 miles, if he does 15, 20 miles a day, uh, if he does five, so 25 days if he does 20 miles a day, although up there, that's pretty that's What are pretty you doing, aggressive. math? I'm doing math, yeah. So I would right, say right. maybe a little over a month. Go. A little over a month before Jim, it's done. we'll see you soon. Yes. All right, Ryan, always good to talk to you. And we will see everybody on the next Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya! Yeah, that was about an hour. Yep, under an hour. Fantastic. <laughs>